Hello, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Robert? I- I'm very good. Uh, first of all, uh, Blackberry, fantastic movie. Absolutely loved it. Uh, what a joy to watch. So, congrats on your excellent movie. And to link into that, my, my first question is, so, a lot of your previous projects, like, you know, The Dirties, o- Operation Avalanche, The Nirvana, The Man, The Shore, kind of like this fake documentary style, you know, which I think you, which you've kind of pioneered over your career. So how was it like trying to like adapt that style that you've kind of worked with years into a more like more traditional cinematic movie? It was very challenging, mostly because if you notice a lot of the explication that I try to do in my work involves characters directly addressing the camera. Yeah. And I feel like that's such a useful tool for, for storytellers. And all of a sudden that was gone. And I was like, how the fuck am I going to do this? Where these three guys can't turn and talk to the audience in a way, right? Mm -hmm. So it meant that I needed to do a lot of, I'd never written a script before. Mm -hmm. um, And I'd I'd never done anything close to writing a movie before. And so I kind of needed to find ways to put this stuff into the, script into characters dialogue with my co-writer matt miller and it was a total total like i had to learn how to make movies again mm-hmm. that's the answer it's like i had to completely teach myself how to make movies from the ground up and thank god jared rab uh, the cinematographer who shot everything i've ever made yeah was much more competent at figuring out how <laughs> to make the camera move and work and how to integrate those same documentary techniques into this fiction space so I leaned on him very heavily. Yeah, because when I was watching the film, because like I tried to go in as like as blind as possible with movies, because I think that's the best way to enjoy it. And I thought like, is he still doing the documentary style when it's revealed? It's not like he's like I thought instantly you nailed that transition because like that's it's instantly because the way the camera moves, it's just it's just so amazing to be. It's like and uh, working into that's like you have like you know you know the fake documentary scenes. You probably have a lot of tension, but like how do you make something that is quite nerdy tense because like it's about mm-hmm. like you know the network and how do you make when like like oh the network's crashing how do you make that like intense for the audience and like how did you go around making that like, really engaging what i hoped would happen is that after act one and mm-hmm. seeing like what these guys came from and what they were like as friends you would start to feel their tension as things went badly and it was just a kind of hope that I had. It's why I wanted to spend so much time with those engineers and Mm -hmm. Doug at the beginning of the film in sort of low stakes situations because they have a kind of low stakes life. Like nothing really matters to them and things are going to be okay whether they, you know, lose their modem deal with with US robotics or not. Like their life is going to be fine because they're used to living. They're used to like eating cereal for breakfast Mm -hmm. and having no money. Right? They're kids. And so I thought that if the audience liked those guys in act one, then by the time things started going bad in Mm -hmm. act two, they would understand why it was bad because you're completely right. A network failure on a cell phone is, you know, who cares, right? Like the network's down for a day, big whoop, but for them, it's like the end of the world. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy that worked. Yeah. And like, Linking into that, it's like, ne- I I did a computer science degree. It's like kind of like a background. So like, 
and I and like I've done some like networking stuff, and it's even like me who's like spent four years going to university still goes don't fully understand that. So how did you, as like a writer, like make sure that like convey those in a way that like anyone can understand no matter their background? Because that's an achievement. It's like and especially when he when he goes like like this is how we're gonna get it to work. So it's not like ten phones. It's this many phones. Like how did you make sure that like everyone could understood and it's very technical all the sciencey stuff behind it. The, well, I talked to a lot of people who were working in the cellular space in the 90s. One guy in particular named John Lyon, who ran a telecom communication, who ran a, a telco in um, Thunder Bay, Ontario. Mm -hmm. And he explained to me, because I'm quite stupid, he explained it to me in very simplistic terms what BlackBerry did in mm -hmm. order to create the first smartphone, which is essentially they created a massive computer system that was in charge of all of the relays coming in. So all the, all the emails, like when you got an email on your BlackBerry, it didn't go to your BlackBerry. It went to Waterloo and Waterloo would get the email and be like, okay, Robert got an email. And then they would push it. That's where that term push email comes from. They invented push email, which is that a server gets an email and then pushes it to a user so that smartphones didn't need to be constantly connected to the internet, constantly draining on the network. And when that was explained to me, I just kind of got it. And I was like, oh, okay, I understand that. And so that's just how I have Mike explain it in the script. No, that's really fascinating to hear because like, it is really difficult to understand networks. It's not simple as like, and like watching the movie, I'm like, I get this. Like I, I, it all clipped through even for me. And that's something I like to link into. It's like, was there every like upon doing research for the film for writing the movie, was there any like a story that you hear that you were shocked that was true that you kept in the movie or like shocked you learn general or something that just kind of interested you when bringing the story to the screen? That you're like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. You know what? I would say this is, this is probably a, uh, uh, an answer you could imagine, but every moment in the script, whether it's Jim backdating the stocks, whether it's them doing all that insane hiring of American and, and mm -hmm. international engineers, um, Mike inventing the the storm in a meeting, those like the things in the movie literally are the things that blew me away. So what mm -hmm. you're watching is a collection of all because research and motion have they, thousands of things happen to them. Look. They got. They were one of the original companies to companies to be sued for patent infringement. That's not in the movie. They got sued for like I think a billion dollars for infringing on people's patents. They were one of the first patent troll um, victims. Like crazy shit happened to them. But the things that I thought were the most interesting are in the movie. So yeah. So that stock backdating, I was like, I can't believe they did this. This is it's insane. They were paying these engineers millions and millions of dollars in illegal stock. And I was like, I, that's, I can't believe that they did that. Like, it's because they had no money. They were this tiny Canadian company and they needed to have the best engineers in the world. And so they went and got them illegally, which is fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, and then also the idea that Mike Lazaridis sees the iPhone and his reaction is, okay, I'm going to put a keyboard on a screen on a keyboard. <laughs> yeah. It's just so ridiculous. Yeah. Like that to me is, is, uh, Another one of those I can't believe that that's true moments. The fact that Mike let they left the prototype in the cab during their first big pitch to to Bell. Oh, that's real, like, oh, like, dude. Uh, like all the big moments in the movie are completely real. All yeah, that stuff is that's, real. That's wild, because like you know, like 
and you'll understand it's like a lot of people take civil liberties like Argo is a good example with the airport scene right. like there's ma- they make major changes to that because to make it more dramatic and you would instantly assume leaving in the cab is a, like a lip like we're gonna make a dr- drama it seems, and it now seems you so say like you're like oh that's real like oh that's it's a hundred percent real it's, uh-huh. and it happened exactly that way they were going to the meeting they he left it in the cab and then they had to do the whole pitch without it and then at the last second they showed up with the with the uh, prototype at the last second that's that's amazing and to kind of like bounce off that was like the stuff for like the movie night also real or is that something that you also like because you're a big film person and like your character kind of like still represents you in a way like with the whole right. movie references is that like something that you added or was that something like somewhat bound in reality well in the book it talks quite candidly about how obsessed the early staff at research in motion were with movies generally mike what's so weird is that mike himself this doesn't come off in the movie as well but mike his favorite movie was raiders of the lost ark mm-hmm. that was just his favorite movie and it's why raiders of the lost ark is like at the beginning of the film it's why that final shot of him fixing all the phones is kind of like stolen from raiders of the lost ark like there was a big movie culture and i thought okay maybe we can combine that with what i know to be true of engineers in the 90s which is that they were very very i know it's a cliche but like the early internet was mostly star trek forums Mm -hmm. right like that's what the beginning of the internet was and like early land parties early video game culture like i know that these things were happening at research in motion so i basically just took that as a starting point and then added as much from my own life as i could yeah so that type of cultural movie obsession is coming from me but the general culture no is basically yeah. the same because it's it's, it's really fascinating because like watching it like now this is in the early 2000s and it's like how they always did movie night and to think that like that was viewed as like a batch like you're not working like you gotta be like work but now if you did more in this lens that would be viewed as more of a positive like a good positive like work culture and like no, right. you need to take Google. breaks from work and like yeah you need to have a healthy relation like and not overwork and you know and that, and that was quite fascinating to watch be like that's, that's kind of like ahead of their time even if it you know like just being like ch- a more chill office environment compared to this whole like we must work 80 hour weeks and stress and be yeah it's really fascinating that's just oh, it's a really great story and it, it, it's i think your style fits the best to adapt it because you know you're i know you did like an animated show quite recently but like the last thing that I watched was Nirvana the Man the show from yeah. you. And seeing so you go from there, which is more like the I know it's not quite but it's like kinda of like that jackass where like you mess with like the people to this. Yeah, it's, it's like very a, low very low lo fi. Uh uh-huh, but I want to talk about because Jay from the Round the Man the show does the soundtrack, if I'm right. And yes, how was that important to to make that soundtrack work? Because there's moments in when in the movie where the soundtrack hits and it's like you're just bobbing away like this is you're just like, yes. Let's just go. Well, Jay's Jay's a genius, and uh, mm-hmm. and he's uh, like my best friend, basically my brother. And he was the guy who said I should make the entire soundtrack using analog sounds from phones and modems in the '90s. And mm-hmm. so, almost all the instrumentation that you hear is him sampling from modems and '90s touchtone telephones. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I mean, I basically just left it to him. He and I love music and movies, mm-hmm. and he would ju- i would just sit on his couch and he would play music and we'd listen and and we were kept we kept playing with the score playing with the score right up until the premiere basically yeah. in fact we still might we still might change a few cues 
Yeah, because the soundtrack's in- incredible. Because like 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 moments where you're just like yeah, this just bobs, and that's really interesting to hear how how it was inspired to score. And it's because you talk about like, your love of movies, um, mm. and that comes on like in the first episode of Round the Band the show as well. If, if people have seen that with the whole, you kind of soundtrack the opening with like this is how we're gonna introduce everyone. But kind of like my last question, and you're a movie buff, so it'll be interesting to hear. So Scotland is known for its rain. It's known as like a rainy country. And, oh really? Uh, yes. And so, kind of like what I want to ask is, you are so you you're at home. It's a rainy day. And you're stuck at home. What is like your go-to movie just to put on to relax and have a good time? I'm I'm unique in this way, I think, and that's that I really hate watching movies that I've already watched before. Mm-hmm. Like I very rarely will watch a movie again. So my my honest answer is I would find something I hadn't seen and watch. I've got a long list of movies that I'm trying to burn through, but. To play into the spirit of the question, I think movies that I could watch over and over again and just love are the film I Heart Huckabees, believe it or not, that that um, that early David O. Russell film. I think it's his third feature. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. I can watch it over and over again. The performances are unbelievable. Every single line said is funny. The, the, the Disney animated Robin Hood. I know forwards and backwards. I know every line of the film. I could recite it from memory, mm-hmm. like the entire film. I think I've seen it a hundred times. And the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the nineteen eighty nine. Those three movies have had a huge influence on me, mm-hmm. and I um, I have seen them more than any other film. Uh, so mm-hmm. th- th- that would, that would be the answer. Yeah. Uh- Thank you for talking to me, Matt. It was an absolute pleasure. It was pleasure. great to meet you, Robert. Yeah, thank you so much.